Welcome to the Golden Shadow. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Melissa Polizzi. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going mm-hmm. to debrief a bit about an event that we ran yesterday mm-hmm. at the STOA, which is an online community and venue of sorts. And the event we ran was part of a series that we've been doing called the Shadow Play series. And we've been experimenting with different modalities, that's probably not the right word, different ways of exploring the shadow in a playful, mm. curious, open way in Zoom with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> and so it's been an experiment, um, but it's been really interesting, really enlightening. Mm. And uh, I've just... It's surpassed my expectations as far as what you can do on the internet Mm. with this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think the opportunity that we've had so far with this series has shown us all the different ways that this environment um, online in the Zoomscape can Mm -hmm. be used and manipulated in a way. It's very malleable. We can kind of shift it and move it around and it can take different forms. And part of our goal with kind of introducing shadow work to a vast group of individuals um, who we don't know and Mm -hmm. who we don't know why they're signing up is uh, ultimately like how can we test the waters in all these different ways, try something new each week and see how it lands. And Zoom is so interesting because it gives us the ability to keep refining this process and trying different things out getting feedback, um, being nimble and flexible Mm -hmm. while at the same time kind of being contained in this space of, uh, connection yet at the same time, no one's in the same room together. It's really interesting. Right. So there's all these things about zoom that you'd think it would be, um, a downgrade from doing this kind of thing in person, but in many ways, zoom can do things you cannot do in Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone's seeing each other face to face in a way. And so you can see people's expressions. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of have this feeling of um, communicating with 20 people, mm. like, directly mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. Um, Everyone who's, like, videos on on that first page, it's like you're there with them. Right. And suddenly, like, one person's nodding and then everybody's nodding. And it's right. like you don't really get that. Even if you're in an in-person event, everyone's mm. sort of, like, circled up or they're in, like, classroom style. Yeah. That sense of where everyone is at or how they're taking in information, how they're reacting kind of goes past you. Yeah. And that's been very interesting on Zoom, just seeing people's faces. Yeah. And you can send people into breakout rooms, which mm. is the equivalent of maybe you have a, a group meeting of 30 people and then you snap your fingers and say, okay, we're going to move into groups of three mm. to discuss or interact or play this game. And you just press a button and suddenly everyone is sent the, to these rooms of three. And the ease at which you could do that is it's something that you can take advantage of. Um, it's something that is sort of emergent as, uh, I would say a way of people engaging in group therapeutic Mm. practices, Mm -hmm. um, self-work with other people. Um, so there's a lot of possibilities with Mm. zoom, the internet, the way that people can meet up online from across the world, all these things about it are very interesting and it's not as if the internet's a new phenomenon but the way that people are meeting up right now because of lockdowns um, mm-hmm. and because of the technology um, there's just something new 
emerging here that we see a lot of possibilities with. And so these events have been um, an opportunity for us to experiment with this um, medium mm-hmm. of Zoom, Yeah, you might say. I mean, also, uh, I think from our perspective, Arne and I have been involved in a lot of community work, um, in-person events, kind of leading up to the pandemic. And mm-hmm. specifically, I was really involved locally in my community, putting on um, events of a, a couple of different styles, you know, like circle up more meditative, um, right. interactive therapeutic ones or workshops and classes. And when the pandemic hit, it was certainly like... <laughs> I, I didn't want to go on Zoom. I, yeah. I was just like, oh, I remember the first class I taught online and I was like, just felt like I was talking into nothingness, even though I could see people's faces mm-hmm. if they had their video on. But, you know, you don't have that energy from people. You can't even hear them breathing. It's just like totally silent. And I'm just like lecturing and it, yeah. it, it took some adjustment. But what I particularly really love about what the STOA has tapped into is allowing these new sort of creative ways to run these events where, as an example, I was not utilizing the chat function when I first started my own personal classes online. And now I've realized by going to the STOA that there is this whole world that people are creating on the chat function in Zoom. And then there's what's happening like on video or what the facilitators are doing. So I've adopted that into my classes. I'm like, drop your questions in the chat or like, you know, speak amongst yourself or all pull things from there Uh, it's really interesting just kind of like the different energies that are happening while you're on a zoom call right it's like multitasking yeah it's uh you can kind of triage certain energies with the chat in um uh in tandem with having a discussion out loud Mm -hmm. and where people can kind of uh make little remarks like just like oh that's interesting or like Mm -hmm. oh that's reminds me of this book i've read yeah or um that's cool, like thumbs up, plus one. Mm -hmm. There's all these things that can be sort of funneled through the chat that Mm -hmm. if you were going to funnel them into speaking out loud, Mm -hmm. you'd have to interrupt the main conversation to do it in some way. And so it's interesting the way that it's almost like there's all these energies that are flowing Mm -hmm. when you have any interaction with people. And Zoom is somehow allowing those energies to flow more uh, fluidly, Mm. more uh, directly in certain ways. And that's... You know, there's also drawbacks of Zoom, of course. And yeah, definitely. You, you suck away like physical uh, proximity mm. and body language. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that, you know, are irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, that, that can be a downside of Zoom. But, you know, there's also situations where you don't want the feeling of physical proximity and you don't want the feeling mm. of like uh, body language maybe. And yeah, Zoom just... It's just different. Mm-hmm. It, should, it should not be interpreted as a replacement for yeah. meeting up in person. It's just a different realm Mm -hmm. that can be utilized to great effect we've Mm -hmm. found yes i think since we've been experimenting with this series that it's allowed us to get more into that playful space Mm -hmm. um and maybe that's partly by design with this event as Aaron mentioned called shadow play um it's like how do we take this deep uh internal 
self-work that can be very serious and sometimes really heavy and difficult and painful out into the public with Mm. a group of people who are complete strangers to each other, you know, a different group every week possibly. How do we inject this sense of lightness, openness, curiosity to these heavy practices? So even like the positioning of of what we titled the series as like shadow play is... Instead of shadow work. Yeah, exactly. Instead of shadow work um, has been an interesting evolution. And I think each week we've gotten a little bit more playful ourselves. I Mm -hmm. think like week one or even the pre sort of event when we did the raw shadow Right, there was sort of a practice run yeah. leading up to the four series, yeah. four part series. Yeah, it was it was maybe more of a little bit of an intellectual discussion about yeah. what is the shadow mm-hmm. and you know how do you see it sort of emerging in society or personally or yada yada yada. Yeah, but kind of taking that idea of of playfulness with the shadow with that part of our unconscious material mm-hmm. and slowly seeing what's revealing itself to us and also like what are people responding to yeah. and are they enjoying that we're getting a little bit more playful ourselves do they want to get a little bit weird even mm-hmm. with us and yeah. i think that's a lot of what we want to talk about today was like this the most recent event that we did a little bit more experimental um and how people received it yeah so the format of the stoa is that there's events listed on a website um these events vary quite a bit there's Mm. all kinds of weird things happening in the stoa but there's an event posted called shadow play um and you can click to register Mm -hmm. for the event and then you show up uh and you don't know what you're gonna get it's just (laughs) a bunch of people can zoom in from any place in the world anyone who has an internet connection Zoom is free, um, so it's really uh, kind of a roll of the dice of mm. what's going to happen as far as who shows up. But yeah. people who come to the store are generally pretty intellectual, mm-hmm. pretty self-aware, and have already accumulated some sort of arsenal of self-work practices. That's, mm. that's pretty common. Um, and uh, people show up to the event. The event's an hour and a half, two hours maybe, and um, they're there to see what you have to offer them and uh, play around with any ideas you throw at them. Uh, People don't really know what to expect at most of these events. And because we're switching it up every week, that's also kind of like what's going to happen this time. Mm -hmm. So it really is um, an interesting interaction between us, the facilitators, and I don't even know what you would call them. It's kind of like an audience, but it's also kind of a attendees. Attendees, yeah, yeah. So they're, like that. they're gonna they're gonna show up and they're gonna interact mm-hmm. and they're going to follow our instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week we wanted to play around, experiment. I mean, I, I had no idea if this was gonna work. I was feeling kind of nervous about it, and I woke up the morning of with like feelings of doubt of like. Mm-hmm this is not going to land or this is not going to vibe with people. They're not going to get it. And it's going to be, you know, maybe a kind of throwaway event, but oh, well, we'll see what happens. Um, But the idea was to um, try to personify or anthropomorphize the shadow Mm. and then to play around with whatever comes out. Mm. Yeah. It's tapping into... First and foremost, like the layer of the psyche that relates to archetypal frameworks, to the mythopoetic frameworks, to narrative, to fiction, Um, because we can project this unconscious material very easily 
into characters. We do it all the time, even consciously. You know, mm -hmm. I relate to this type of character all the time. Or every time I play an RPG, I'm this class. Um, totally. So there is this natural propensity that we have, um, that Psyche really has, in wanting to develop a story, um, to find the kind of inherent pattern within. And that can be something that we consciously recognize and identify with like the hero or the warrior but at the same time those other parts of our unconscious also have their own patterns and their own ways that they're forming if you kind of go back to the episode about complexes what we're getting into is that each of these sort of building blocks of our psychology have an archetypal core right. so what is that anchoring point mm -hmm. um and that transcends just the archetypal image of say the mother but at the same time we can relate to this image of like the great mother to Demeter or something like that um, because at the core of our relationship to our own mother the personal mother the transcendent mother is some pattern some inherent sort of cosmic pattern of of, of mother ring that yeah. is just inherent to us as humans mm -hmm. and that's what we're starting to tap into with this event Right. So playing around with the narrative or mythological framework, it unlocks something within you that you're not really in touch with consciously. Mm -hmm. You can definitely become more consciously in touch with it by doing these kinds of exercises, I would say. But there, there's something that it's um, it's subverting what I would say is these sort of intellectual, mm. normal conversational realm. Um, and it's going into something that is more instinctual mm. and um it just kind of comes up in you who who says who knows why you might identify with a certain character in a large cast from a tv show mm -hmm. like game of thrones for instance yeah there might be a character in the show that you resonate with the most why is that mm -hmm. what's happening there mm -hmm. is it just a rational analysis of the character saying like Clearly, he has blonde hair, and I am also blonde, so that's who I identify with. It's like, no, right. no, there's something else going on. Yeah. What is the, the, uh, what is the archetype that Jon Snow is plugging into mm. as the sort of uh, outcast who becomes the leader mm. who must journey into the darkness and bring light into a world that's turning cold and make great sacrifices, yeah. sacrifices that... Um, you know, he sacrifices the woman that he loves and all these things about the character, it might resonate with you and you can play around with that and hmm. try to identify why that is. Yeah. And that might be true for all kinds of different mediums. You might see that in Lord of the Rings. You might identify with a character in Game of Thrones. You might identify with a character in Lord of the Rings. Hmm. You might identify with a character in Harry Potter, in Star Wars, in a video game, anything like that. Yeah. There might be a character that you choose if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, and you might say like, well, I'm, I'm going to be a warrior. Mm. I like the warrior class. Um, and someone else might be really intrigued by a mage or sorceress mm. class and mm -hmm. what's happening there. Yeah. Well, we're tapping into all of the parts of our personality and this is at like the basis of, you know, the, the Jungian complex theory that we are made up of all these different parts and you see sort of like more modern manifestations of that in like the IFS, the internal family systems model, mm. which is like psyche is divided into 
these little personalities, these parts, right. you might say. And that's not to say like we're totally divided and prone to like mental health issues, but that, you know, I think most people, if they really start to reflect on themselves, they recognize that, well, there's this part of me that feels this way. And there's mm. another part of me that feels like that. It's like, we naturally use that kind of language. Um, and it helps us to externalize that different sort of uh, psychological material and to understand it as a part of us yet at the same time outside of maybe like the main uh, form of consciousness that we have. And especially when we work with the shadow, this type of parts work is really profound and really powerful because it helps us to navigate our inner world, not being sort of tied down or limited to maybe the wounding of that part, you know, or the tendency, the bad behavior that that part has. It's, it's a, a way to recognize it, acknowledge it, um, to call it ourself, yet at the same time to say, I can understand this part better. What are its needs? What is it trying to protect me from? Where, what, were, what was its origin story? And when that happens, it creates this bridge, this dialogue to that part. And it will lead to, at least I believe, a better chance of integration and understanding. Right. So yesterday at the event, people showed up and we presented them with these prompts. And mm. the prompts are aimed at um, turning your shadow, turning the contents of your shadow, um, and hopefully everyone showing up kind of understands the shadow as a concept. And even if they didn't really get it, it still works. To mm. even if you're just like, "What's your dark side?" You know, people <laughs> can, can still kind of like play with that. Yeah. But um, it seemed like most people got the idea of the shadow pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to turn your shadow into some sort of character or being or entity or creature. Yeah. whatever calls to you, um, some kind of character that you would find in a myth mm. or story. Mm. And what does that character look like? What does that character do? Uh, what are their motivations? Um, how did they get to be the way they are? What's yeah. their origin story? Yeah. And what's their name? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to me, I wasn't sure if that would work. Yeah. And maybe even to the people listening right now, like that might sound like a sort of, strange idea maybe mm-hmm. not probably if you are listening to this podcast you don't think it's very strange but <laughs> um but the the things that come out of that were they were really interesting mm-hmm. i thought um someone for instance came up with the idea of their shadow being a blob and the blob just criticizes everything around it yeah and sort of almost like spits acid everywhere onto things where it's like something's wrong with that and something's wrong with that and that's not good enough and you're mm. not doing it right mm-hmm. and I don't understand why you would do things this way. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, it's one thing to recognize that you have a shadow that is like highly critical of everything, mm. yeah. but it's another thing to say it's like some sort of ooze mm-hmm. or some sort of jelly. Yeah. You know, you have to look at that and wonder why. Mm. <laughs> where does that come from? Yeah, just the image alone, you know, where where does this mental image of this like like totally non-human like substance because maybe this part of you feels not very human you know it isn't like a critical mother kind of you know archetype or something like that it's moved into a place where it's uh, 
like this is something from like a bad 80s like b movie or something right like, from a horror movie yeah i mean like the blob literally <laughs> yeah, that movie. Blob. i've never actually seen that i'm not even sure i haven't either but i'm like. just like imagining like it like oozing and it's gross yeah. and people don't want to get near it and then yeah. there's like a group of young teenagers who are just like spending the movie like running away from it and that's right. what it did right for her she was just like constructing this story of what it does and how it pushes people away and yeah. and it's and it's twisting situations um towards this overly critical uh nature the tone of that that comes forward and that drives people away or it doesn't even get into like the intention of why people bring up these ideas in the first place it just mm. cuts them down yeah and what happens then is that this is why I think parts work can be so powerful is because naturally when we move into these elements of our shadow and we start acting from this place of, you know, criticism or wounding or mm. whatever it might be, it can then be really easy to become self-critical or feel guilty or to put ourselves down. Like I did it again. Like I did that bad habit again yeah. or whatever. And you just, uh, you internalize a lot of that shadow material even deeper without truly understanding why it's doing what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So instead the next time it happens and you find yourself being critical, you can say, Oh man, that was the blob. <laughs> like the, right. bl the blob came out and oh, why? blob is here exactly the blob's here so it's time to maybe dialogue with the blob yeah why did you say what you did oh. Oh. <laughs> good stuff it's really gross <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because you know like she says like the blob is green yeah yeah um like even something like that it's like the color mm -hmm. is like is that just because the stereotypical ooze from movies is green yeah sort of or is there something about the color green that resonates with your shadow for well, some yeah. reason there's all is, kinds of interesting questions yeah. like that of like where's that coming from right this is where you can treat the development of the part like dream work and mm -hmm. interpreting it like a symbol which is like hmm it's this color or it has this feeling tone to it and yeah. what's my association to that and where does that come from in me or what is like the cultural dynamic that's coming in yeah. you get to pull apart this unconscious material yeah. in the conscious waking world and bring greater awareness to it and all of those little details especially when you give it an origin story you figure out what it looks like does it have any items on it all of these things you then get to kind of write out or figure out more of why that image has come up in the first place right and um you know she probably feels as though the shadow in some sense is gross yeah yeah something you don't want to touch something mm. is like like get away from me like yeah or give gives her a feeling of inner disgust yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um or something like caustic or acidic or mm, something yeah um something that sort of consumes everything around it there's, yeah. there's all kinds of ways that you might relate to your shadow mm. or you the way that you repress it is out of disgust right um, yes 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 and that's very different from um another person's interpretation of the question where like this other individual put forward the idea that their shadow felt like strider from lord of the rings mm -hmm. and that's like that's completely different interpretation yeah. it's like all there's all kinds of things Maybe the whole perception of what the shadow is could be different. Maybe the question is being interpreted different by each person. That's certainly true. But the idea that the shadow might be some strong warrior mm -hmm. that's meant to be king, yeah. you know, 
Um, but I liked I liked his um, his character that he put forward because mm. as Strider, some of the points that he was bringing up was that he's hidden. Yeah. He holds himself back. There's a lot mm. of self-denial of his power, right. of his future, mm-hmm. of who he's meant to be. You know, yeah. like Strider is not Aragorn, you know, King of Gondor. Right. He's in a place where he's still like keeping himself withdrawn from society mm-hmm. And that self-denial is a very potent shadow energy in a lot of people. And at the same time, there's like the road to redemption within Mm. Strider's story. He Mm. will eventually become the king or he just has this deep courage and altruism that drives him to be who he is. And and maybe that's something that the uh, individual connects with um, but can see more easily in the character. Right, and it makes it seem like that interpretation of the shadow is one of potential, hmm. and there's like the golden shadow right. in there, right? It's yeah, like yeah. Strider is a good example of like a shadowy being that becomes mm. golden, mm. like he like rises into the light, yeah. and he becomes king, becomes king of the white city. So he goes from like dark black to like yeah. the king of the mm. white, mm. Um, and there's like this transition there that like that's what integrating the shadow hopefully Hmm. can be like is that you take something that you've uh, denied and you absorb it and it becomes something incredibly powerful within you. Hmm. And it makes you wonder if this individual actually just has that sort of sense within himself. Yeah. The the possibility of growth, the possibility of ascending. Hmm. And that's his relationship with the shadow is actually one of being dynamic and changing Hmm. and there's power there. Hmm. Um, And that's very different than like, you know, the blob, which is like, you probably don't think of the blob as like, well, someday it'll be like King Blob, like <laughs> King of the Blobs. Like the idea of like there's like more of a dynamic arc there is like what's prominent. And so it's just it's interesting to see how people approach this in different ways. But, you know, like what comes to mind is mm-hmm. that like the blob could be someone who was like, you know, a human person and they fell into like a vat of acid and like they turned mm-hmm. into like a blob monster. Origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. What is the origin story? Was it yeah. born a blob? Was it always like messed up and kind of mean? Or maybe it was like an innocent, open-hearted individual who, you know, something, an accident happened. Maybe or... it, was like, it was probably like a lawyer. And it's just like a gross, greedy lawyer. He just like <laughs> lives this like really like disgusting life. And yeah. like he has to pay for it by being turned into a blob. And like mm. now he's like, okay, now he's like cursed, disgust embodied. And like he has to like redeem himself. <laughs> Okay, and I thought another interesting point. Sorry, I'm just like. (laughs) Moving on. My origin story was better. (laughs) Okay. Um, Another interesting point someone brought up was that when they were put into the first breakout room, which is supposed to be like introduce your character and who are they Mm -hmm. and whatever details you want to give, this individual felt like they connected with these two strangers in a really dynamic and interesting way through the characters in a way that would not have happened if they weren't doing the exercise. Right. So there were breakout rooms of three, right? So after people had come up with the character, we sent them into breakout rooms of three Mm. where there's just going to be um, a sharing of your experience, a sharing of your character and why you chose it perhaps. Um, That goes on for 15 minutes. Mm. And so, um, that's what you're talking about, just, mm-hmm. just to provide context. Yes. Um, so the question to me that sort of formula, formulates in my mind is why might we find it easier to relate to one another through these characters? What mm. does that unlock? Right. 
right? So in these breakout rooms, these three people, or at least this person who shared is explaining that they found it, that it was very, very easy to uh, jump into a good conversation and connect with these people and kind of get to some of the more core, excuse me, core attributes, Mm -hmm. um, core struggles, um, a lot of the barriers, you know, that might be in the way when you were just sort of meeting mm. strangers at first. Yeah. Those things are just immediately washed away yeah. by this exercise of uh, what is your mythological character or right. what is your mythological shadow. Right. Um, and that's interesting because it, it is it is something that seems simple and yet it's nothing it's not anything you would ever really do mm. like with strangers. Mm-hmm. Like Oh, like, hey, we just met, like, why don't we discuss, like, our D&D characters? It's like, you know, that wouldn't happen. And yet, like, there's something very interesting about, like, the ability to wash away those barriers immediately and kind of get into, like, kid mode. Mm. It's like, well, how do kids interact? It's like sometimes kids will just, like, start playing tag abruptly. Mm. and They don't even know each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they'll just do that because they're not very self-conscious about having to do these formalities and kind of uh, play it safe with people perhaps or just this idea of, like, etiquette and what's appropriate. And those, those kind of, those instincts are necessary for people to, you know, function in society, of course. Yeah. But um, it is interesting how leaping into a mythological framework about yourself uh, can immediately take you to a place that is not only um, fun and mm. curious and open and playful, but it's also mm-hmm. very revealing. Yeah. And you can kind of get to know someone in this very interesting way that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, it, it certainly disarms a lot of the initial... Uh, uncertainty that people have mm-hmm. being thrown into, you know, a room, a virtual room yeah. with strangers. And I think, I think that's, what's been interesting to witness across all different events at the Stoa. Like mm-hmm. even when we're not talking about mythological shadow characters, there's often some way to, to break the ice, uh, to kind of lean or anchor into a certain prompt that really helps people uh, connect to each other in ways that like, if you just like walked into a party it just probably wouldn't happen very naturally. Um, But this specific exercise, I think, does help an individual feel comfortable with this part of themselves because they've kind of taken it out of their being and kind of placed it. There's like a little avatar they have in their mind and it's Mm -hmm. they're introducing them, the other uh, participants to that that mythological shadow character. And uh, through that story, you, you get to narratively discuss your own personal content which can be hard to do but Mm -hmm. it's like let me tell you the story of it immediately disarms it and people get to understand it in a way it's like they don't need the details Mm -hmm. all of the personal elements get to sort of uh just fall to the wayside and that's what i think is interesting about coming back to the archetypal ground of our shadow is Mm -hmm. that uh at that core there there's something that all of us can relate to. Like when you tell me about Strider or you tell me about the blob, it's like, I don't need to hear all the personal details that might be difficult for you. Mm -hmm. What's going to make you incredibly emotional that might constellate some of that painful experience. Instead, you can tell me the story, the the mythical story, and I can understand you and I get it. And then there's like a a connection, a a honest connection that happens. Right. And this ties into all kinds of, different concepts we've covered but uh, like metaphor mm-hmm. yeah just this thing metaphor is yeah. sort of like this more efficient way of conveying lots of information mm. than trying to rationally explain something yeah so like the tarot card for instance it's like you have a card 
you can play it or you can put it down, mm. let's say, and there's so much meaning conveyed in the image and it conveys something that you that is so much more quick and direct and deep than actually rational explaining, well, yeah. I'm at a weird crossroads in my life and, you know, I just broke up with my boyfriend and I have a new job now and I got a dog and, you know, you know, you're, you can go through this and you, mm-hmm. and you can you can definitely explain your experience to someone, but it might be more efficient and more deep to just say um, six of swords mm. if, if the person is familiar with that. Sure. And it's like, I see you're kind of like in the boat on the river and you're mm. traveling to a new place and like, right, there's, there's like the tension in the water and the waves yeah. are crashing against you mm-hmm. and that's how you feel about your life right now. It's like this metaphorical story mm. and the same thing can be true for like um, this self self-mythologizing yes. just taking yourself and putting yourself into a character yes. it's like it's a metaphor it's not literal yes it but it conveys all this information it conveys all this meaning in a very efficient way of like ah like i see who you are just by this little exercise yeah. in a way that it would have taken hours for you to really convey to me yeah and that's that also taps into creativity because mm-hmm. you're being creative by creating a character mm-hmm. and the opportunity to express yourself creatively also conveys all this strange, mysterious information about who you are as an individual. Mm. If you were going to paint something, it's like, whoa, that like your painting reveals so much about you that you couldn't really show me um, by talking to me mm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe you wouldn't even want to. Maybe you would hide it all. Yeah. Um, and that's what's powerful about this act. Mm. Yeah. So we're tapping into, I think, the ways that like, the the deep psyche really works you know outside of the the intellectual side you know that like more left brain you might say or the uh the writer and not the elephant like Mm -hmm. we're getting into like that deep part the underneath the water the full part of the iceberg and to me those sit on pillars of symbol and metaphor and narrative yeah like we see that so prominently in our dreams that uh, unconscious expression seems to kind of bubble up into um, our conscious awareness through a dramatic structure through story mm-hmm. or that when you look at the dynamics that are playing out in everyday life in politics and in, in the news in your personal groups it's like what story is everybody tied to yeah. i mean we got into this with like personal myth or even the religious function episode that we talked about yeah. there's this deep way of relating to the world where we follow these stories Mm -hmm. and at times we're so unaware of what those narratives are that they're leading us into a place very unconsciously um you know like we're in a narrative of suffering or a a narrative of lack or something like that and so tapping into what those narratives are and really coming to understand them helps you shift them just to be more in alignment with them to correct them if they need that and we see that playing out in dreams that they move through this this dramatic structure like there's a story being told Mm -hmm. and what is that story what's this little snapshot that you see each night and what's the commentary on your life within that dream right it's all it's all kind of connected right i mean Mm -hmm. what happens in your dreams what you might come up with during active imagination like Mm -hmm. we talked about last week um what you come up with if you're role-playing or if you're playing a game or you're improving some character dramatizing some character in a play there's all this creative energy that is the unconscious 
speaking mm. in, in some way and it's all connected. So like this game that we had people play at this event um, is something you could analyze, you know, not exactly the same as a dream, but you could employ the same sort of ideas, which is like the images that appear in your dream are the unconscious trying to say something about who you are or mm. where you're at or what you need or mm. whatever. Um, and the character you create for yourself is can be analyzed similar. The unconscious is speaking in some way. Mm. And you begin to see how all these things are connected in a way that can be really interesting and you can play with yeah. it in all these different ways that can be like very profound. Yeah, I think last week sort of helped lay some of that groundwork um, with your, uh, did you mention that you called it self-mythologizing? Self-mythologizing. I, I think you did. That's, that's the term I like right yeah. now, at least. But there you sort of explain to the audience that you mm -hmm. have this host of characters, the yeah. like inner council yeah. of, of your spirit and your mm. mind and you interact with all of those parts and some of them are maybe more conscious identifications you're like yeah that's kind of me in like the everyday world yeah or there's a much more wounded part of you mm -hmm. um there's ones that you might say is like you know the trickstery shadow within and all of that and yeah. and taking that building that host of characters and then moving that into that more active imagination style um exercise allows you to work with them on a somewhat regular basis, creating deeper understanding of like where you're at or being able to explore some situation or issues that you're going through. And that's how this can be taken and imply, uh, applied to the shadow work process to just deepen your own self-development. Right. There's all kinds of ways you can play with this and there's all kinds of ways that you could develop this into a practice, an ongoing practice that evolves over time and you might find things that work for you and mm. other things that don't so much. Mm. Um, but, you know, part of part of the event, the way we had it, is we, we wanted people to kind of think about these characters as something that they could hold on to yeah. and change maybe. Maybe you chose Strider and you're like, you know what, that's not actually as good as like a different kind of Strider who's like maybe mm -hmm. not going to be king but instead like has this great burden that he has to carry for the rest of his life. Like maybe Strider has the rain and he has to carry the rain mm -hmm. and that's more of my shadow. It's like something you can play with that can evolve. And like last week's episode, you know, so you can have a cast of characters and you can write stories with those characters and you can yeah. have them play with each other. Um, you can have those characters um, be the protagonist mm -hmm. for one exercise or they can be the antagonist for one exercise. It depends on what's calling to you. Mm -hmm. um, but it, was interesting to see how people seem to interpret that mm. people had all kinds of like interesting ideas for what yeah. they might do with these characters right. and like one idea that was brought up was like a zoom session in which the entire group tells a story together mm -hmm. you know it's like mm -hmm. i'm not, not really sure how well that would work but it's still like <laughs> it's an interesting idea on zoom it's like yeah. okay yeah so if everyone personified the shadow and we all were going to tell a story mm. um i don't I don't know how that would work with like 30 people, but yeah, I feel like you could certainly do it with like five people maybe. Yeah. And I mean, that's essentially what Dungeons and Dragons kind of is, but yeah. um, there's something that can be very revealing mm -hmm. with that. And also the interacting with your shadow with other people mm -hmm. is something that's powerful because people can point out things to you. Oh, uh, that's right. That you so, wouldn't, you know, recognizing yeah. yourself otherwise. Yes. And that's part of the shadow. It's like, yeah. there's a reason you're not in touch with it. It's like, there's a reason you can't speak with it. There's a reason you don't see it Yeah, because that's the nature of the shadow. And yes. so when it comes out 
when you embody it in this character, for instance, you're externalizing in some way that other people around you can say, oh, is this what your shadow is? Mm-hmm. Is this a weakness? Is this a strength? Is this mm. something you're ignoring? And that's what someone said at the event, right? Yes, yes. That's That was like that, aha, that's right. Because that was, I think, one of my favorite comments, and I totally forgot about it till this moment, was yeah. that someone was explaining their shadow character and mm. maybe some of the second prompts that went a little bit deeper. And someone in their group made a comment about it, and it gave them a realization about this shadow dynamic the shadow content yeah that the individual had not realized and they were someone who was not new to shadow work mm-hmm. um that part that they were working with was something that they've been developing and even then a complete stranger mm-hmm. could see something have a little bit of a different insight that could totally shift the way that you're looking at it mm-hmm. and i was just so like huh, overwhelmed with like happiness and like yes like that's why we're doing this and that is why we have to be courageous and vulnerable enough to step into relationship with other people because we cannot do this work alone right and we're not meant to do it alone right. you know relationships um, are the container of which we can project out our inner material, you know, and the, the relationships have to be strong enough to hold those projections. You know, we need to do an episode on projection and kind of really get into that. But totally. like the point being, you know, w- we can't fully understand all of these parts of ourselves. We need to be able to externalize. We need to get that feedback. We need the mirror put up in front of us from others. And it sometimes is so overwhelming to hear those other perspectives. We want to deny them. You know, we want to tell people that that's not true or because when, when we're served back some shadow material, it's like, right. oh, my God, like, no, thank you. That's not me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you don't want to do shadow work by definition. It's like no. you do, but you don't. That's it just brings up. I'm sorry. I'm like laughing because like I feel like shadow work is very popular right now. It's, uh, like, it's a hot word. It's a hot word. Yeah. A lot of people are talking about it and yeah. I just. I mean, we're capitalizing on it for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's true. But I I, I don't often see a lot of people talking about how shitty it is. Uh, <laughs> like they'll say yeah. like, this is hard, but like how many people really try and are just like, no, thank you, man. It's been hard. It's been hard for me. It's not easy. Well, that's how you know they're being honest, honestly. If you're just like, oh man, like I don't, I don't want to do this. Like I don't have the energy for this. Or it's tiring. After our last last session a week ago, um, someone did comment that like a lot of heavy things came up, Mm. and they were not sure what to do with it, and it kind of like kept them distracted for the the entire rest of the night until they eventually like had to distract themselves with something. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it was like, well good <laughs> it's right. like it's good that that happened it's good that, that yeah. actually that actually means it's working yeah you know yeah. It's, it's not so good for you to not be able to do anything with it or yes. feel the need to, to like distract yourself but but it's not something that should be easy and that's you know the whole it's funny because we can we can talk about spiritual bypassing and then yeah. like but even that's like a hot word where people are just like oh but that's just spiritual bypassing and right. it almost makes you think like you need to like spiritually bypass spiritual bypassing now because <laughs> it's like it just once you start naming things, people start mm. adopting it as mm. if it's something that they they understand and they've mastered. And mm. um, like shadow work is something that you know people will talk about it, but I think it's probably 
pretty rare that someone is actually taking it very seriously because it's really hard. It's, yeah, you know, it is. It is very hard. And, you know, not that like we're claiming to be experts or that we're doing no, it perfectly. This is why it's a shadow play. Yeah, right? certainly. So we're calling it that. It's um, just like we're just playing around. Like, Yeah, I think everyone does really need to find their own path down this because there are times when you really, really do need to take it easy and maybe you need to bypass a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you have to understand where your limitations are. And if you go full on in, you know, you might touch things inside of yourself that yeah. you're just not ready to. And that's what I think is so interesting about doing deep inner work is it, it always feels like this process of unfolding. And I mm -hmm. feel like I've been working on a certain issue for like five years, but it's really different than it was five years ago. And that idea that like, when am I going to be done with this thing inside of myself it's like probably never never, <laughs> never but never at the same time like go easy on yourself and allow yeah. yourself to take breaks even in our event we say if you get overwhelmed if this feels too intense leave the zoom room like take a break come into the main room with us you know it's not about pushing yourself too far you know it right. is about easing into this process taking it seriously, but at the same time, taking your own health and well-being seriously too. Yeah. I mean, something that I think a good rule of thumb for doing self-work is like, you have to acknowledge that the work you're doing now might not pay off for a year. Yeah. And if yeah. you're still okay with doing it, if you're still like, okay, I'll move forward anyways, even though this therapy I'm undergoing, it's painful and it's difficult mm. and I'm not going to see the benefits from it maybe for a year yeah, or, or, years, or longer. Years to come. Um, yeah. You know, you have to accept that because that is how it works. It's mm. like, it's a process. It's a practice that needs to be acknowledged, mm. accepted. You can't come to one of our events, for instance, and it's like shadow work managed. You know, <laughs> I've, I've said that term before. That's, that's from Harry Potter kind of, but, um, the idea that you just like, oh, okay, I've got it figured it out. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. And you haven't. And if you're saying that to yourself, then, you know, that's that's a red flag that you should be watching, which is why, again, it's important to have other people to keep you accountable. Yeah. To tell you, like, uh, you have not, like, resolved your shadow. Mm. Like, sorry. Or, and, yeah, I did my six months of therapy. Like, I'm done now. It, right. Like, it, I've, I've graduated and I'm, like, totally cured and I won't have any problems ever again. Yeah. So if... I ever have any relationship conflicts again, it's the other person because I'm, I'm fixed. Yeah. Yeah. They need therapy. Right. Because I already went to therapy and it's like that kind of stuff. It's not, it's, it's not a good way to think because it's a never ending process. Yes. The, the, the path of individuation never ends. Mm -hmm. You never truly get to the top of the mountain, you know, yeah. the ascension should keep going right. every year until yeah. you die why would you want to stop? You know, yeah. I don't think there's some goal, right? Like, what is the summit? What's driving you? You want to get there. Mm -hmm. There's something that's really pushing you to evolve and to go deep within yourself and to connect authentically. But, you know, life is always shifting and changing and those new dynamics are going to bring new insights or new ways that you have to, you have to adapt. And so to feel like this work needs to end, I think is, is just maybe, um, either like a low resolution understanding of what it really is, yeah. or maybe that's coming from fear, but that's an opportunity for you to sit with that and kind of come into relationship with what that fear anxiety really means for you and why, um, that seems to be the driving energy. Yeah. So we're going to keep on doing events. Um, maybe not at the Stoa always, but Alyssa and I will probably be running a lot of events 
um, in the future, or at least we'd like to, we're thinking about it. So if you are listening and you have any interest in what kind of events we might be cooking up on Zoom, essentially, Mm -hmm. this is going to be over the internet, of course, um, you can email us at uh, goldenshadowpodcast at Mm -hmm. gmail.com. And we might not have anything to respond with right now because we haven't really <laughs> thought about it but but we're, brain, we're brainstorming yeah. a lot and yeah. just the the ground of experimentation that the stoa has been so far these last yeah. couple of weeks have yeah. have been really fruitful and interesting and we certainly feel like it's a valuable practice that's being cultivated across lots of individuals yeah. um a lot of potential this episode's coming out this weekend sunday the what 23rd or 22nd, 22nd. Yeah. so if you hear this in time and you want to come check out Shadow Play. We'll be doing our last uh, session at the Stoa on this, Friday. Uh, Friday, the 27th. So mm-hmm. www.thestoa.ca. Yeah, just before we close it out, Alyssa, what is your shadow character? Okay. My shadow character, one of them that I tapped into for this exercise is the Dark Phoenix. So if you're familiar with X-Men, that is... Sophie Turner. <laughs> Sophie. She's like, she's even more shadowy, right? Because oh, she's a bad actress. Yeah. No, Sophie <laughs> was great in Game of Thrones, but I don't like she her was, Yeah, Grey. I don't want to hate on her too much, but I didn't All like her All of these new Grey. X-Men movies have yeah. not been good. But yeah. anyways, we're not going to talk about the, the actual... <laughs> we're going to get into a tangent. Anyways, okay, the, the Dark Phoenix yeah. is... Uh, an entity actually like this powerful universal force that takes over Jean Grey cosmic right cosmic force that is basically so powerful and so overwhelming that it becomes this destructive energy and she can't contain it inside of herself and yet she somehow has like the power or the capability to hold all of that like you know universal primordial (laughs) chaos and creation dynamic inside of her Mm -hmm. and I tapped into this for myself because I was asked recently about what's my relationship to anger. Mm. And I was thinking about how I think I deny that a lot in myself and how I, when I feel intensely, you know, anger is not really the emotion that I deal with, but that ultimately there is a feeling inside of myself that I don't want to go there. And so I push it down and I create a barrier. And then when it does burst forth, it is incredibly destructive in Mm -hmm. me. Like I don't, throw stuff around or like curse people out but I want to destroy like everything in my life that's how I feel and that's that like inferior relationship of that anger in me is that because I don't have a good dynamic with it because I'm not well versed when it when it bursts into consciousness it Mm -hmm. just overtakes me so the dark phoenix the destructive energy within right so you're really powerful and you have all these amazing abilities and knowledge and you're so fluent in yourself in all these ways. Mm. And so that power is, I perceive that in you as well. Like Alyssa can do very powerful things and she's a very powerful person. And if you spend time with her, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> how does she do it? <laughs> so there's that kind of like sorceress thing, mm-hmm. you know, that I think you identify with, like, yeah. you know, as far as like Dungeons and Dragons might go or yeah. video games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- there there is a pattern I see in you certainly of getting pushed into a weird place where suddenly you become like really destructive yeah. and really angry and a lot of it is just like self-destruction mm, or yeah. the pattern of 
purging, purging almost yeah. where it's like if something isn't right, it's like, well, just destroy it. Mm-hmm. Like just hit the self-destruct button yeah. or, or hit the destruct button on the thing that doesn't work. Like just purge, purge, purge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that usually, you know, it's not a healthy pattern. No, but definitely not. That's you a big have part a of huge amount of self-awareness work. about it. You've been, yeah. you've been aware of this for a very, very, very long time. You've been working yeah. on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a cool example of, uh, I guess I should probably do mine too, mm-hmm. but mine's not as interesting though. I mean, the, the one I did at the event yesterday was just the little boy in the cave, which is, you know, it's kind of an, a different interpretation of the shadow and everyone's interpretation is going to be different. But um, a huge part of my repressed, excuse me, repressed, denied, unacknowledged energy is that of weakness and vulnerability Mm. um and there did come a time i've probably talked about this on the podcast before but there there did come a time in my life where i felt as if i really really needed to become strong Mm. and i had to push very hard to become strong and kind of ascend um into someone who was powerful almost artificially Mm. and the only way that i felt like i could do that not as if this was a rational decision this is just happening completely unconsciously but the only way I could do that was to sort of suppress like the little boy in me and so there's a sensitive more feeling um more emotional more loving vulnerable side of me that feels as if it's hiding and like cannot come out he was banished he was banished and he's sort of I have this image of him sort of cowering in a cave and he's crying and he's too afraid to come out and Mm. He's sort of waiting for a different side of me essentially to come and rescue him and pick him up and carry him out of the cave and mm-hmm. tell him it's going to be all right. And yeah. That's the embodiment of my shadow. Yeah. And, you know, a final note here is you're going to have many characters in your shadow. Mm-hmm. So you might have, you know, a wounded inner child or you might have some critical part of yourself. There might be a powerful warrior wanting to emerge and you can, you know, don't rush that process. If mm. you go through these exercises of trying to find that, uh, that archetypal character, start with who comes up and then, you know, they're in the arsenal now of the, of the team that you're building. But maybe after a little while you want to go find another individual in the shadow, another character, and you might have a few of them. You should, right? Cause there's all these different dynamics that are being held within the shadow itself so, you know, Aaron's got, you know, the, the banished little boy, mm-hmm. but there's some others that are in there too. Yeah. Like the God Aaron, <laughs> who is all powerful, all knowing. Mm-hmm. And that's an aim. You mm-hmm. might say that's sort of like an instinctual aim of mm-hmm. like, go more in that direction. Yeah. But I'm never going to become a God. <laughs> <laughs> she, she slipped in a little quiet. <laughs> under her breath <laughs> you will never never become a god okay. do you have a question for us do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze is there a topic you'd like us to cover we want to hear from you contact us through a submission form which can be found at our instagram page at golden shadow podcast or if you're listening on youtube you can find the link in the description down below thanks for listening see you later If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.